uh, when Dr. Smith was here, he preached on Joshua chapter 1 through verse chapter 1, 1 through 9. And this morning we're going to look at a couple of other passages in chapter 1 and chapter 3. So you can be turning there, but uh, today is our last Sunday here. Boy, it looks like a huge crowd too. (laughs) And y'all are all so close. I like this. This is the way it's going to be at the new place, okay? I'm just telling you. But uh, today is our last Sunday here in a place that that has kind of been our our place for the past three years. Uh, we've experienced some some wonderful moments uh, where God has done some miraculous things, and some of you have been recipients of those those miracles. I mean, I, I'm, I'm literally they were miracles. They were healing miracles. There were changes in 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 life. There were there were emotional and and physical uh, miracles. But there's also, there have been some moments that we've endured with grief and with great sadness. And uh, the thing is, this place, this room, this building, this is not our home. This is not the church, okay? This is the church. You and I are the church. The church is not a, a building. The building is where the church meets. And uh, when, I, when I dreamed about planting a church, I dreamed about a storefront, Okay, because I didn't want it to look like a church. Okay, I got it. My dream came true, and it came with all the nightmares that go with the storefront. Okay, unless you own the storefront, it's a nightmare. Okay, but uh, but it, it was a dream, and and God's allowed us. He's he, we've been in a school. We were there for a year, and and some of you remember that we've been here for three years, and now God's moving us into a a more permanent place. Uh, I don't think it's our final place. Okay, I'll just tell you that straight up. I, I think it's I think it's a a place where God's going to allow us to grow and uh, to prepare to 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 eventually build what He wants us to have, so that we can minister and best and most effectively serve Him. But it is a place where there's uh, the pressures don't exist. In the school, I knew we had twelve months. And at the end of 12 months, we had to go somewhere. We ended up in the Fultondale City Hall for two weeks and in the park at Gardendale for a week before we came in here. And, and I've known for after the first year here that this was a temporary place because we were, some of you may not know this, but we were, after that first year, we were on a month-to-month lease, okay? Which, you know, it didn't stress me out. Uh, I, I got all the stress I wanted when we were in the school, and I knew I had 12 months to find a place and couldn't. But when we, when the, the with the month-to-month lease, you know, it, any this could be your last month, okay? It's been that thing. So the thing is, this is not our home. This place, this location has enabled us to, to grow spiritually. It's enabled us to grow numerically. It's enabled us to, to be, at least begin to become what we desired when we planted this church. And you've heard me use these words over and over and over. But we want it to be a place of refuge. We want it to be a safe place, a safe haven, where people could come who are messed up and hurting. Okay? And we have a room full of messed up and hurting people. Amen? I mean, that's just who we are. We're we're different degrees of messed up. I'm the king of messed up, okay? If you want to be the king, you're welcome to take my place, okay? But... Some of you are not all that messed up. Some of you are hurting a great deal, and some of us are not hurting right now. But, you know, if we live long enough, 
We will. We'll hurt some more. And so we've become, I think, a safe haven. We've learned to accept one another where we are and not create some false sense that this is who you've got to be and this is what you've got to look like if you're a Christian. This is what the body of Christ looks like, okay? This is what it's supposed to look like. So we've, we've, we've begun to become a place of refuge. We've also be, I'm going to get tongue-tied this morning because, like I said, I'm tired. Okay, I'm just going to confess to you, I'm tired. I'm mentally tired. Physically, I rest. Mentally, I hadn't rested a lot. We've become a place of restoration. Uh, we've become a hospital where God can do surgery to make each of us more like Jesus. And he's taken some of us through it, okay? And he's, he'll take you through it if you stay long enough. But his desire is to, is, to, is to do that surgery and remove those things that are not like Christ. That's what, that's what the biblical word sanctification means. It, it means to become more like Christ, to be set apart like Christ. And so what's happening is, is God is restoring us. He's making us into the people that he wants us to be. But it's also become a place of relationship. And this is one of the things I've really I've seen every Sunday. Every Sunday. This a place where friendships could be forged with one another and they could be forged with forged with God. And and listen to me. A church that is friendly, a people that is friendly attracts people. Okay? Because people are looking for a smiling face. They're looking for a warm heart. They're looking for an embrace. And I believe God's begun to do that in us. But this place is not that. This people is that. Does that make sense? This place is just a, a brief stop on the journey we're on. And we've been praying. Some of you who have, who have been with us uh, since the beginning, we've been praying for a place of our own for four years. Okay? And during that time, we've turned over every rock. We've looked at anything available. And none of it ever worked out. There was always a roadblock. There was always a flag. There was always a... A no deal. It just it was a, it was a dead end. But when we planted this church deep in my spirit, I had a sense that God had something special for us. Okay, that He had a He had a place, but it just wasn't time yet. And that we had to we had to just trust Him. And I've shared this many times with you. But as as we begin to prepare to plant. Man, there was 10,000 things in my mind, and I'm going, but God, but God, but God, but God. And God spoke to me just as clear as, as, as you can hear my voice this morning. I heard him that clear. He said, do you trust me? Well, there's only two answers. <laughs> yes or no. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no crawfishing, and, you know, you, you got, it's either yes or no. And I said, God, I trust you. And it was just dead silent. And it was silent for months. And I got to one of those places, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And I heard it again, do you trust me? And that's been the, that's been the message that God has been teaching me through this process. Do you trust me? Either you do or you don't. If you do, you'll relax. You'll walk with me. It may be a little stressful at times. But I'll take care of things. And listen to me. God has taken care of every situation that has arisen when it comes to Eagles Wing Church. And he's, he's done it on time. Okay? Now, I've stressed out. Some of you have stressed out. But God's not stressed out. And so, 
I really believe that God had a place for us, at least for a, for a temporary time. And for whatever reason, it wasn't the time, it wasn't the place, the people wasn't ready or whatever. But all of that changed. All of that changed in a moment this past May. I was on a mission trip, and when I got back, there was a phone call. Kathy, had, someone had called, and, and I returned the call. And it, it happened to be somebody that, that just seemed to me called out of the blue and I'd gone to high school with. And uh, everything changed. It happened. When God moves, God moves quickly. Okay? We look at prophecy, and we wonder when, God, when, God, when. Listen to me. When God... When the time comes, it will happen. Boom, it will be like dominoes falling. Okay? And that's the way it works in our lives. He, when he decides now is the time, things happen quickly. And so things have happened quickly. And, 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 and that's just how God works. And the day has finally arrived. We're going to move. Okay? This is our last service in this place. We're going to cross over to a new place. And really, that's what I'm calling this today is just crossing over. But we're going to cross over to a new place and a new community for a new work that God's unveiling before us. Okay? Everything's going to be new. And God's calling us, I believe, to prepare. All right? To consecrate ourselves. To ready ourselves spiritually for the adventure that lays ahead of us or lies ahead of us. Two weeks ago, Dr. Smith preached a, a, a message on Joshua chapter 1, verse 1-9. One, and, and as Dr. Smith was preaching, God began to speak to me. And that's very often how he speaks to me. I'll, I'll be listening to somebody, and, and, and all of a sudden, I don't hear them anymore. I hear God. Okay? I can remember years ago, I was sitting in First Baptist Gardendale, and, and uh, Steve Gaines was preaching, and man, I was I was right in there and all of a sudden I don't hear Steve anymore I can hear God and God told me Nelson if you will be patient you will see revival okay and I've hung on to that 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 word and I'm going to see it and it wasn't I'm just going to see it I'm going to participate in it that's what the word was and that's that's just how God speaks to me and so God's begin to speak to me as Dr. Smith uh as as he was preaching I didn't hear Dr. Smith I heard I heard God, and, and I knew the passage he was, he was speaking about, and I, I knew some of the commands that were to follow, and, and at the end of the service, I, I shared with you what, what God had, you know, the word God had sort of given me in Joshua chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, and Joshua 3, 5. And, and, and basically what God had said was that we need to concentra- consecrate ourselves. We need to prepare ourselves because... In a few days, in three days, we're going to cross over. We're going to move. We're going to, we're going to leave the place where we're at and go into a new place. And this morning, I want to expand a little bit on what I believe God was saying to each of us. And so I want to look this morning at Joshua chapter 1, verse 10 and 11 first. And I'm going to read this. We're just going to look at this, and then we'll look at the, the passage in Joshua 3. But it said, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you are to cross the Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God has given you, to possess it. It says, Prepare provisions. The people were to prepare. They were to get ready. 
And in this case, specifically, they were to prepare food for the journey. Now, let me ask you a, a question. How had they sustained life? How had they eaten over the past 40 years? God had fed them. I mean, it had rained uh, manna for 40 years. Every morning, uh, the ground was white with it. They went out, they picked it up, they got what they needed for that day. And then on the, on, on, on the day before the Sabbath, they would get enough for two days. But every other day, they just got what they needed. And so, they were used to eating manna, okay? They had they'd gotten in a, in a rhythm. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't have anything else to eat, okay? You, you do understand there was fruit. They, they passed, you know, orchards, and there was different things that they ate. But for the most part, their diet consisted of manna. That's what sustained their lives. And God would continue to, to sustain them for a few more days, Okay, But now they were to be involved in the preparation. They were to begin taking responsibility for their own physical hunger. They wouldn't, in, a, in just a few days, they would no longer get up and hamburger buns be all over the ground, biscuits be all over the ground. That, that, that wouldn't be there anymore, okay? They'd have to, if they wanted bread, they'd have to make it. They'd have to cook it. They'd have to prepare it. And so... God begins to tell them to prepare the provisions. See, they were no longer babies. Babies can't prepare their food. The parents have to prepare the food. And God had fed them for 40 years. Most of the people, well, let me, let me back up. All of the people that were there were about 20 years and younger the last time they came to this place. They were, they, were, they were children, most of them were. And for the past 40 years, God had led them. He had taken care of them. He had performed miracles in their midst. They had learned to depend on God. They knew that He would be faithful. They knew that He would do what He said He would do. But now they had become adults. And so the people of Israel were about to enter the promised land. And it was the land that that God had promised Abraham. He had promised it to Isaac. He had promised it to Jacob. And it was the land that he had taken them to the very front door of 40 years earlier. And in the land they were about to enter into, things were about to change. They were about to harvest crops that they had not planted. They were about to drink wine that, that, that they had nothing to do with the vineyards. They, were, they, were, uh, they had not taken care of those vineyards. The bounty of the land would be theirs, but they would have to seek it out. They would have to harvest it. They would have to prepare it, and they would have to eat it. Okay? It wouldn't just drop out of the sky. It wouldn't just be, you know, I wake up in the morning, I look outside my tent, I rake up some and go. No, I'd... I'd have to invest. They would have to, they'd have to make a personal investment. Literally, they, they would have to invest some sweat equity, okay? If they were hungry, they were going to have to do some things. And they were now mature adults, and they'd witnessed, as I said, they'd, they'd witnessed the miraculous provisions and protection of God for 40 years. Now God was requiring them to obey Him, and to step out in the faith that had been forged in, in the crucible, in the heat of the desert of Sinai. Okay? It was there. 
You've heard me say this over and over and over, but faith is not faith until you step out. You can tell me how much faith you have, but unless you are willing to put feet and legs on your faith, you don't have any faith. And the moment had come where God says, okay, I have trained you, I have taught you, I have shown you how faithful I am. Now is the time to exercise your faith in me. Prepare some stuff to take care of you. In other words, God's saying, you know what? The manna is about to stop, and you're going to need a sandwich somewhere along the way. I believe God's telling each of us to prepare. I believe he's telling each of us to get ready. Okay, for the past four years, he has poured out his blessings on us. He's given us grace beyond grace. He's filled our spiritual mouths and our spiritual bellies with the truth of the word. He's taught us about the Holy Spirit. Okay? He's taught us who the Holy Spirit is and and how the Holy Spirit works. He's taught us about his love. He's taught us about his grace. He's taught us how to worship. He's taught us about what freedom really is. He's, 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 He's poured into us the truth of, 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 of healing that's found in the Bible. And he's taught us about the kingdom. Folks, he's fed us manna, okay? He's fed us the bread of heaven. And now he wants us to employ that manna. He wants us to put into use what we've been taught. Here's one of the biggest problems with most churches. They get a steady diet of meat, But they never employ it. They never put it into practice. They never put it into practice in their everyday lives or in their personal lives. And it's worthless. Scripture says don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer of the word. And so God has put the things that he has taught us. He's put them in us. And now he expects us in faith to walk those things out. Okay? That's every one of us. God, I believe, is saying to us, he's saying to you and he's saying to me, is to prepare yourselves because you're going to need what I've given you to do what I've set before you. Folks, I'm just going to share this with you. I hope you understand. I can't do it all. I can't be in every place that ministry needs to take place. That's why there are so many of us. God's got an army of men and women and young people that that he's going to put in places to, 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 to share and to pour out what he's poured into us. See, we're a body. Every part has a function. And so God says, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Secondly, in this passage... Joshua commands the people, he tells tells the leaders to go through the camp and command the people to cross over and possess the land. Now this is the land God was giving them. It was also the land God had already given them. You you do understand, this is not a new... uh, This is not a new real estate transaction. This is the real estate transaction God made with Abraham. And with Isaac and with Jacob. This is the same place that God brought the parents and the, and the grandparents and the great-grandparents of this generation to 40 years earlier and said, this is the land, it belongs to you, I have given to you, go in and possess it. And what did they do? Oh, we can't do that. 
There's giants in that land. Let me tell you something. There's giants in every land. We're going to face some giants. Okay? There's giants in the land. But God is bigger than the giants. God is bigger than any problem that will arise if we will just keep our eyes on God. They took their eyes off God and they saw the problems. For some reason, they couldn't see the cluster of grapes that it took two guys to give. That has always fascinated me. My daddy raised grapes. I've never seen a cluster of grapes much bigger than that. Okay? But they brought back a cluster that it took two men to carry. They couldn't see the benefits. They couldn't see the riches. All they could see was the problems. And folks, listen to me. If we focus on the problems, we will die. Okay? We will die. But if we'll focus on God, we'll see His glory, okay? We'll see revival. I don't know about the rest of you. I'm going to see revival. I'm just telling you, I'm going to see it. I've got the promise. I'm hanging on to it. I'm going to see it. And I know from studying revival, I know what takes place when it comes, okay? But he tells them to go in and and possess the land. It was their land. God had given them the the title deed 40 years earlier, but their parents failed to cross it, and they failed to possess ownership of it. They they didn't take ownership. They They didn't get rid of the pagan inhabitants. They didn't live on it. And God's saying, I want you to go in and take ownership of it. He tells Joshua, wherever the soles of your feet trod, it will be yours but they had to cross the Jordan and they had to take possession of it they couldn't just visit every once in a while and go you know I own that land over there it's a beautiful land I own that God's given it to me no they had to go in and they had to take it and guess what it was filled with big cities that were walled and big armies that were powerful. And it was filled with wild animals and it was filled with a, with a people that were pagan and corrupt, but they were also powerful. So it wasn't going to come easy, but it was already theirs. God says, I'm going to go with you and you are going to possess that land. And so folks... They were, they were going to have to invest their efforts. They were going to have to invest their energy. They were going to have to invest their lives. They were going to have to pour themselves into it. And that land had to become their own. Now, over the past four years, you've heard me say this over and over and over. This is not my church. This is the Lord Jesus' church. Okay? This is not my church. I never was a part of the planning team to plant myself a church. I was just being obedient to the command of God on our life. This is His church. It's, it, he died for it. It's His bride. He's the one that sustains it. I think all of you understand that. But on the other hand, this church has to become your church. Okay, this, this can't just be a place you come for an hour on Sunday. All right? It has to become your church. You have to take some ownership of it and for it. You have to possess it. You, it has to be yours or, listen, you won't ever invest anything in it. Possession and ownership means that you're willing to take personal responsibility for it. Yes, it belongs to God. 
Okay? But it has to belong to each one of us as well. Because if you're not personally committed, you can't be counted on. When things get tough, you know what will happen? You'll go somewhere else. That's, that's just reality. Folks, God is calling each of us to take the step out of where we were and into where he's leading us. He's calling us to cross over, to leave the past behind. He's calling us to take personal ownership of, of what happens to this body. Okay? Eagles Wing Church simply can't be, as I said, the church you attend. It has to become your church. It has to become the local congregation that you're personally, financially, emotionally, spiritually, and physically invested in. You have to take some ownership, and you have to shoulder some of the responsibilities because a handful of people can't do what God is calling us to do. It's going to take all of us investing what we have and doing what God's called us to do. So he tells us to he tells us in this passage, he tells us to prepare ourselves, but he also says, I want you to cross over and I want you to take possession. This church has to become our church. Okay? It has to become your church. But finally, we look in Joshua chapter three, verse five. Joshua says this, he says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That has always been a verse that fascinated me. There's a command there and there's a promise. And I believe it, there's a word there for us today, for the, for, the, for the people of Eagles Wing Church. But if we fail to obey the command, we won't experience the promise. Listen to what Joshua says again. Consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That promise is conditioned. It's conditional. It's conditioned on a command that has to be obeyed. Consecrate yourselves. Well, what does consecrate yourselves mean? Well, it means to sanctify yourselves. Okay, what does that mean? I mean, how many of you are thinking that? When I read that, I think, okay, what, is, what in the world does he mean? Well, he means to sanctify well, what does that mean? I, we don't use those words very often, do we? We hear those words in church, but we don't hear it very often in the world that we live in. So what does it mean? Well, it means to get by yourself alone with God and do some personal house cleaning. Okay? When you boil it all down, that's what it means. It means to ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything out of order in my life? Is there any sin? Is there any unforgiveness? Is there any bad attitude? Is there any broken relationship? Is there any disobedience, any rebellion, any resolved issue in my life? Holy Spirit, is there anything that's out of order in my life? And it also means that once you've done that, shut up and listen to what the Holy Spirit says. So I don't like that. Well, the reason we don't hear the Holy Spirit talk is we talk too much. We just keep talking. We have to listen. And listen to me. If you ask Him, He will show you. That's been the experience in my life. He will show you. It means to, to just to be quiet and to listen. And when He shows us, it means to obey. It means to confess. And it means to repent. And it means to purify 
our hearts and our minds. In other words, it means to take a spiritual bath and get ready for what God wants to do with us. Okay, that, that's, that's all consecration is. It's a, it's a dedicating myself to what God is calling me to do. And to do that, I have to cleanse myself. Soldiers in the ancient world, before they went into battle, consecrated themselves. Priests consecrated themselves before they went to serve in God's temple. Prophets consecrated themselves before they received or delivered words from God. God is calling you and He's calling me to consecrate ourselves so that we can experience all that his, He plans to do with us and through us and to us. Listen to me. God can't use contaminated vessels. Now, contaminated is not cracked or scarred. Contaminated means it contains something that's poison or, or will cause death. All of us are cracked. Amen. We're all marred. We're all scarred. But you know what? If we know Jesus, we're not all contaminated. Contamination is something we do to ourselves when we sin. And all God calls us to do, He says, if you will confess your sin, then He is faithful and righteous to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we will confess it, God will cleanse us. We don't have to be contaminated. But you know what? God can't use contaminated vessels. He can use cracked ones. He can use marred ones. But He won't use a contaminated one. Why? Because contamination poisons other people. Okay? It poisons other people. It spreads spiritual diseases and it causes religious plagues. And we got plenty of them running rampant in the world we live in. Consecrate yourselves. It means to separate ourselves from the sins that so easily control us and, and, and set ourselves, set our attention, our focus back on God. In other words, tune in to what God is saying and do what He's telling us to do. Open our spiritual eyes and our ears and, and just behold the power of God. That's the command. Consecrate yourself. Here's the blessing that comes from it. Unless we consecrate ourselves, we will miss what God is doing. We'll be blinded by the sin and by the religion and by the prejudice and by the arrogance and by all the other stuff. God will move and God is moving, but we might not see it. We won't experience, we'll miss it. Here's the promise that was based on obedience. Joshua says, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, if you know the story, you know what happened the next day. When the first priest placed his foot on the water, what happened? The waters piled up. It was the flood season. It was harvest season when the waters are the highest in Jordan. And I, when we read that, we think of the mighty Mississippi River. Okay? How many of you feel, think that way? Okay, I've been there twice. It's not the mighty Mississippi River. It's, it's not very big at all, okay? But in that land, that's all there is. And what happens is that river stopped flowing and it piled up. And they walked across that riverbed on dry land. 
How had they come out of Egypt? The same way God led them out of Egypt through the Red Sea on dry land. And then when he takes them into the land, he takes them in the same way on dry land. They walked over into their their new place. It was a miraculous event. I mean, it was something to behold. And you know what? I believe that God wants to do some miraculous things through us and in us. I really believe that. I, I believe that God has taught us about healing, for instance, and allowed us to experience it here in this fellowship just a little bit. I believe He's preparing us to do more. I believe He wants to heal others. And I believe He wants a, a people who believe that He still does it and who will be His hands and feet. I believe that. Okay, I believe that's one of the reasons that we exist. He wants a people who will be conduits for His power. We don't heal, folks. But we're the pipes that carry the power of God. He's chosen to use us. Marred, messed up, cracked. He's chosen to use us. And I believe that He wants to use us. That's what Jesus did. And that's what we're supposed to to do. That's who we're supposed to imitate. So I believe that's one thing that God's going to do. I also believe that God wants to set captives free. Okay? He wants to break the bondage of Satan. And he wants to destroy the works of the devil. That's what Jesus came to do. And we're responsible for what we have been given. Okay? And God has taught us about freedom. He's taught us about breaking bondage. He's given us his authority. And he's given given us his power. And we're responsible for that. If we don't use it, listen to me, we'll lose it. And we'll just become another impotent, vanilla-flavored church holding on. Digging in and hoping that Jesus will come back and rescue us. That was not the worst Jesus left his disciples. They were to kick the doors of hell down and set the captives free. And when he returned, he would not be coming on a rescue mission. He would be coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to deliver, to, not to deliver, but to gather up his bride. I mean, he's coming to get a bride, folks. Not to rescue some people that are dug in and hoping that the end of the world's not going to come soon. You see where we've, where we've gone to? Where we, we've devolved to? That's the word, you know, maybe. See where we've, that's not scripture. We serve a conquering king who has conquered. And he's coming back for his wife. He's not coming back to rescue her. He's coming back to marry her and begin a life, an eternal life with her. Folks, Jesus has given us His authority and His power. He's given us the authority to use that power to set the captives free. He promised that the gates of hell would not prevail. He promised that we would bind the strong man and plunder his house. And I believe that's what this church is supposed to do. I believe it's to be that kind of church. And I also believe that God wants us to walk in the power and in the signs and the wonders that living in the kingdom of God promises. Okay? If we are citizens of the kingdom, then we are to to live out what life in the kingdoms looks like. Jesus said that we would do those things. I mean, that's what he said in John chapter 14. 
the things I've done, you'll do. I got to secretly confess something to you. I would be happy if I could just do the things he did. Amen? But he doesn't stop there. He, he takes it to the next level. And he says, and even greater things will you do. Now that just, that boggles my mind. But that's what that text says. It says that in the Greek, and it says it in the English. We would do what he did and even greater things. Folks, if Jesus said it, it's true. Amen? And if it's true, then why can't we be the church that walks that out? Okay? Why can't it be? If, if not them, why not us? When? Today. Why, why can't that be us today and tomorrow and for, for the life of this church until Jesus returns? Joshua tells the people, and I believe God is saying to us today, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. We're crossing over. We've got to prepare ourselves. We've got to possess the promise of God. We've got to consecrate ourselves. God's about to do something beyond our ability to explain, to deny, or theologize about. Okay? I believe that. Our job is to cross over. It's to take a step in faith and just watch God work. In a few minutes, we're going to pile these chairs up. We're going to gather the boxes up. We're going to turn out the lights. And this party's over. Okay? And we're going to cross to a new place. We're going to go to a new level. Every new level has its own set of devils, okay? So we need to be prepared. We need to be consecrated. We need to be ready to do what He's called us to do. Folks, right now, right where you are, I can't prepare you. I can't consecrate you. I can't make you possess the land. It's a choice every one of you have to make. You have to do the preparation. You have to make the commitment. You have to invest yourself. All I can do is invest myself. Okay? But I'm telling you that something is about to happen in those people that do. Something that can't be explained And it can't be denied. And God's going to be glorified. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.